It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's Alright, welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And we thank you for making us part of your daily grind Taking us with you everywhere you are going Everything that you're doing including us in your Celtics lives is very, very much appreciated. So thank you all for doing that. Thank you to the new listeners who are just tuning in for the first time or second time or whatever early on sampling. Not sure you want to subscribe. We're going to earn that subscription. We are the rain and Jays, John Corrales. That's me. I write for MassLive.com, And I'm joined today by Jay King of the athletic talking about, the Celtics draft picks, we're three weeks away from the trade deadline, so we'll talk about possible trade scenarios that impact those draft picks. Terry Rozier had some interesting comments that are getting people really, really riled up on Twitter. But let's start, Jay, with some stray thoughts from the Brooklyn game and, of course, the impending return of Aaron Baines. We'll start with Baines because that's the newest thing. The Boston Celtics announced that their injury report for the Toronto game on Wednesday Aaron Baines is now questionable, and that's a big step up from out. And he's going to have his left hand reevaluated, and we'll see if he goes through a practice or a shoot-around or whatever, but we'll find out in the morning maybe a little bit better uh, idea if Aaron Baines will be back for Toronto or if he'll be back later in the week. Just a solid addition. Baines is back. If you look at the numbers, the Celtics have been beyond elite defensively with Baines on the court mm -hmm. and they've still been pretty good for the most part without him but with him they just take it to another level and that, that's been the case that was the case last year when he was in the starting lineup next to Al Horford that's been the case this year when he's the backup center in smaller lineups like if Baines is on the court the Celtics have been just elite defensively so his return's a big deal probably a bigger deal than a lot of people realize yeah it's, I think it's a big big deal uh for a couple of reasons. Last night we speculated that uh, Al Horford's knee is still probably not 100% and that the return of Aaron Baines may be an opportunity for them to get Horford a little bit more rest. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? You think Aaron, you think uh, Horford's been moving around okay? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> it seems like an issue yeah. where it's like, like every once in a while he looks like himself. And there was a stretch there like – first nine games back he was he was averaging a lot but the big thing with Horford this year his assist numbers have dipped and it doesn't seem like they're using him as a facilitator as often as they did last year and maybe that's because the knee's not right maybe that's because other dynamics have changed but the 
like Al Horford as the hub of your offense is usually a really, really good thing. And the Celtics haven't, haven't done that a whole lot. And obviously, you know, Kyrie's been great. Lineups with Horford have usually been really good. Uh, the starting lineup, especially, but, but the assist numbers are definitely down and, and maybe that's, you know, a, a byproduct of that knee. Well, yeah, that, that's a fair point. Uh, I think some of it, I, I think they're just using him a little bit differently this year that he's been, uh, like you said, less of a facilitator, but they they haven't asked him to be as much of a facilitator that he's more just setting these picks for Kyrie. Kyrie's doing the facilitating. He's kind of springing Kyrie and popping and creating space for Kyrie to do his thing. And I think, and, and part of it, it goes to my point in the last podcast. I, I just think that maybe Al Horford isn't going all out at the beginning of the season here, that he coasts a little bit now because he's older and he wants to be ready for the playoffs. And he knows the playoffs are a lot more important. He did it last year. He, he stepped it up in the, in the playoffs. And I think there's going to be some of that this year. So this, the, but the Celtics do need him to facilitate. They were looking better yesterday uh, against Brooklyn when they were going through Al Horford. And even at the beginning of the Orlando game, they were going through Al Horford a little bit. And he had a, a couple of assists in the first quarter of that game. It's just, I think, is something that they should probably start to work on a little bit more. Or maybe they're just holding it. Maybe they're they're holding that as a uh, something in their back pocket that teams will not have seen all year. But that's just me guessing. Uh, as far as that Brooklyn game goes, the... Um, I guess the the two big storylines were Jason Tatum attacking and, and just being awesome on the attack and the comments that they made afterwards, him and Jalen Brown. So let's start with Tatum. Uh, what were your thoughts on Jason Tatum from the Brooklyn game? One of his best games ever, yeah. offensively speaking. And he, he had some great moments defensively too. The thing that stood out the most was he ran a lot of pick and rolls and that's not something he does very often, but Jared Allen had a really tough time staying with him downhill. And Jared Allen's a really good shot blocker, like really bouncy. Tatum just kind of put him on skates. And there was also like an additional level of physicality that Tatum showed. And I don't know whether it was just matchups. I don't know whether it was just a, a different mentality than he normally shows. But like instead of fading away, he was leaning in on his post-ups and drawing contact and he did a great job of that a few times with drawing free throws and the free throws were big and the pick and rolls were big so he just had a really big game and look some of it came when the Celtics were down 30 points 20 20, 30 points and staging a furious comeback in the fourth quarter but I'm interested to see what him running pick and rolls would amount to even when the Celtics are fully healthy I think that's something that that Brad's probably curious about too, and that the Celtics might try more often as the season progresses just to see how well it works. I think it's a great point that you made that he wasn't fading away on shots. He was leaning into shots, which is new and forget about the, all the other stuff, the pick and rolls with all, all great points, all great points. But just that part is why, why is that different in this game than previous games? Cause he loves to fade away. He fades away on everything. Uh, I I love the fact that he was doing all of that and in, in attacking, leaning into shots and getting those free throws. It's almost like something got into him, and whatever it was, he made a conscious effort to play 
differently. So some of it was scheme, some of it was his own decision, it seemed, for whatever reason. And some of it was just Marcus Smart and Kyrie Irving were out, so there were more pick and rolls to be run by other guys. Yeah. Um, but but just the 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 level of skill he shows in that, and I, I I think it's just really promising because you haven't seen him do that a lot. It's not something the Celtics really ever go to, and for him to be able to do that and look so comfortable in it, it's another layer that they they could bring out at another point this season. I agree. I think that could be something that uh, could be tucked away. Bored John. This is bored John Corrales. Damn you, bored John. Nah, nobody's accusing me of being bored. They only accuse <laughs> you of being bored, Jay. This is true. <laughs> um, okay, so that's Terry Rose. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, that's uh, Jason Tatum. Afterwards, the Tatum and Brown had their own comments uh, about what Kyrie Irving said about the youth and, and blah, blah, blah. I happen to think that the way these two reacted were kind of telling on themselves a little bit. Uh, with Tatum, his reaction was Kyrie's coming from a place of, you know, he's basically a play, place of love. He's, he's trying to win. He wants us all to be our best. And it's, it's not coming from a place that's negative. It's coming from a place of I'm trying to help and, and I'm going to take it that way. Whereas Jalen Brown took it as a, uh, we can't point fingers. We can't, call each other out we otherwise you know we got to support each other otherwise we're people are going to go into their own little shells which to me is jason tatum basically being jason tatum and things roll off his back and jalen brown being for lack of a better term sensitive and he tends to go in his little shell like i i think him saying it about other people he's really saying it about himself that he has a tendency to get introspective he has a tendency to get in his own head sometimes and he goes into these periods of time where he is in a shell. So uh, it's interesting to me, and I think it's an interesting message to Kyrie. Kyrie, this is his first time being a leader of a team with this high of an expectation, uh, and he's learning as much as these guys are learning. And I think one lesson out of this is for Kyrie is don't treat everybody with this blanket kind of approach, that, and, and don't do it through the media anymore, which he said he won't, but Tatum could be fine with it, but Jalen Brown's not going to be fine with it. And you got to approach Jalen Brown differently and different people have different personalities and it's not a criticism. Like I said that about Jalen Brown, that's not really a negative. It's just a statement of fact, like that's how it is. And so you have to approach him differently. You have to, you have to be different with different people. Like I use the example of when I was playing in college and I had teammates that really weren't, they didn't respond well to yelling. So the coach didn't yell at them. He yelled at me. And even when I was like, not really the guy who was in the wrong, he yelled at me because I could handle it. And I responded to the yelling by playing better. And that's just different people have different personalities. So uh, I think my takeaway from all of that is that Kyrie needs to learn how to lead as much as these guys need to learn how to play within their roles. Yeah. And I think, I think it's obvious what Tatum said is true. Kyrie's doing this. Like it comes from the right place. Right. All he wants is for the Celtics to play on the same page and all he wants is for them to succeed. And all he wants is for everybody on the team to let go of their egos and their individual goals and whatever external pressures they have and just play good basketball. That's the only thing he wants. And I think, I think that's been very clear the whole time. I also understand where Jalen's coming from and the way Jalen said it, it wasn't clear that it was, 
you know, directed straight at Kyrie, but just what he said. And basically he said, you know, we can't have guys pointing fingers. It's not a young or old guy thing. It's everybody. Kyrie's been the one regularly dividing the team, for lack of a better word, between young guys and veterans. And he's been the guy kind of pointing his fingers at the youth and inexperience. And I understand where Jalen's coming from. Like, that doesn't necessarily help the young guys be more comfortable and play more free and 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 be empowered. And that, that was one word Jalen said, you know, we've got to empower everybody. And last year, the Celtics were empowered. Like, every player played above what they were expected to be. And everybody was like stepped in and, but this year there's been different pressures and I'm not sure I'm, well, I'm, I'm positive. Not everybody has handled those pressures well. And what's been interesting to me about this run is like almost every loss, it seems there's like, like half the losses recently, there's been like some sort of episode, right? Like the, the Bucks game, there was a big team meeting and then the Miami game, Marcus Morris shoves Jalen. And the Houston loss, like Kyrie was in the locker room having like, like clearly frustrated and having a chat with Al Horford about the need for everybody to do the little things. And, and then the, the, the Kyrie after the Orlando game was furious. And then Jalen may or may not have addressed Kyrie uh, with his post game comments after the Brooklyn loss. So it's like, Every loss, it seems, is like something else. And it seems like the Celtics are kind of building up more than they have to with this frustration. Like, th- like they just, they were a week, they were a week removed from playing great basketball. Right. It seems like they just let things stick with them because the expectations or whatever the case may be, like there's, there's something that's just sticking with them and not allowing them to just move beyond whatever failures they have and just just move on to the next play they've kind of dwelled on a lot of things this season that's been their mo from the beginning like even in game they their biggest problem and how many times have we heard brad say it that we have to learn to move on from things next play the next play is important that's what this team does they dwell and i guess everybody's guilty of it it's not just the young guy thing gordon hayward i think is guilty of it uh I think Gordon Hayward has a serious confidence issue with his with his return from injury, and I think it's it's been problematic. And I don't think that episode in Orlando helps anything. Um, and I, I do think that the mentality, and this goes back to the same conversation we had about every podcast. It's the mentality. The mentality here has been a problem. It's not the ability. The ability is there because they they keep coming back. They've shown when they want to put it together, they put it together and they come back from however many down, 27 points down, come back and have a chance to win. So that's they, that's their biggest challenge. And they have half a season to figure it out or else this will go down as one of the most disappointing seasons in Celtics history. So and it, it's funny because in some ways their reactions are like driving the narrative about them. Mm-hmm. Like if, if they weren't so reactive to their losses, people would look at the numbers, like the net ratings fine and like second in the league. Still, they, I believe they still have a top 10 offense, top 10 defense. <laughs> like there are signs that suggest they're going to be okay and they should be okay. But it's like this 
this tension that exists because they're not as good as they think they are or think they should be. And, and that's kind of starting to shape, or I guess it's been shaping the external narrative all along. And I think the 10 and 10 start is weighing on them and now being in fifth place in the standings and the gap between them and the teams above them is, has widened over this three game losing streak. And there are just a lot of pressures that happened because they got off to a slow start. But after that slow start, if you look at like the entire, the entirety of things, they've been okay, but they get stuck in the moment and, and they need to get beyond that. That is uh, an excellent point, And we're going to take a break off of that excellent point because we're going to come back with Terry Rozier's what, what he said in is being seen as an excuse, but Terry Rozier made some interesting comments. We'll get to that after this break here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing our conversation about Kyrie Irving's leadership and where the Boston Celtics are, that was the topic of a piece on Yahoo Sports by Vincent Goodwill and talking about kind of what I mentioned before about Kyrie just figuring out his leadership. And in that that piece was an interesting exchange with Terry Rozier. And I'll just read directly from the Yahoo piece. Uh, Quote, I don't think we've all been on a team like this, Rozier told Yahoo. Young guys who can play, guys who did things in their career, the group that was together last year. Then you bring Kyrie and Hayward back. It's a lot with it. When asked if the roster was too talented, Rozier didn't hold back, didn't back down. Quote, too talented. Yeah, too talented. So. The too talented thing is, is really interesting. There's so many layers to it. And something that I, I've said from the beginning that this team has not too much talent, 
too much equal talent is, has been my point from the beginning that the lack of separation there's, there's Kyrie and there's a second tier of like Mook, Jalen Brown. I mean, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown to, to some degree, not all the time, not as consistently, but he can get up there. And a bunch of these guys, they're all kind of in that range or, or maybe even if they're not, they think they're there. And I put Rozier in that category. And what happens is when things go south, every one of those guys thinks that they can do it by themselves. And that's when we get into the ISO ball. So at face value, Terry Rozier is saying something that, yeah, too talented. We've got too many guys that can do too many things. And essentially, we're all trying to do too many things at the same time. So let's start with that. What's your take on that? I think the I think the problem is the Celtics are looking at it like they have too much talent. And obviously, like if you get asked, do you have too much talent? It's not the same as just stating yourself, yeah, we have too much talent on this team. Like, oh yeah, yeah, we have too much talent. Yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> but but at the same time, it's like too much talent isn't a real thing. That's not something that actually exists. Like the only problems with having too much talent is that guys want more than what they can have or what they will have. And, and that's the only issue. And, and to me, it's like once guys adjust their personal expectations or remove their personal expectations and just play basketball. And this is kind of what Kyrie's been saying all along is that the Celtics need to do like, He's just been saying from day one, they need to get tossed aside every other thing besides just the desire to play good basketball together. And and so he's not wrong when he says that. When when I was critical of him for his repeated comments, it wasn't because he's saying anything that's wrong. And I, I do think to an, uh, to some point he's minimizing what the young guys on the roster have done and what they did last season without him. But at the same time, it's like the problem is that guys haven't always been good in their roles and that guys haven't always competed when things go wrong and that when things do go wrong, it's like, Oh my God, D'Angelo Russell just had a, just led the nets on a 44 point third quarter when things go wrong with this Celtics team, they don't stop it. It just like this, the tsunami crashes over them and they're just swept up in it and they just float away. That's it. Last year, it was totally different. Last year, they stood up to the tsunami. Marcus Smart tackled the tsunami and they continued playing. And that was just how it went this year. For whatever reason, they haven't had that, that same identity. And when things are going, they've been like a front runner when things are going well, they're piling up 30 assists and they've been great. And when things go poorly, it's like, like they went from five straight 30 plus assist games to the top assist game they had on the, this road trip, I believe it was 21, 21. And it's like, that's such a huge gap. How do you go from your offense is humming and everyone's sharing the ball and Holy crap, this is the longest assist streak in Celtics history since Larry bird was around. And then, boom, a week later, nobody's passing to each other. <laughs> and it's like, what? 
what is going on with this team that that happens? And and I, I think to an extent they've been front runners so far, and I think part of that is because guys just the the talent thing. People haven't gotten over that. Right. People haven't gotten they haven't gotten over how much talent they have to just say whatever. Like let's just let's just be a team and let's use this talent together as well as we can. And maybe sometimes that means I can't show how special I am. But you know what? I'll try to be special in whatever way I can to help the team. And until the Celtics reach that point, and so, then then it's 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 not gonna it's not gonna work. It's just not. It's not. You're right. Absolutely right. And this goes to the second point I was looking to make with with Rozier, that by saying it that way, by saying yeah, we've got too much talent, it is a almost admission. It's an almost admission that I not not that oh we've got too much talent matter of factly it's we've got too much talent dot 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 to accept the roles that we have and that's I think the biggest issue it's it's not that oh my god we've got too much talent and this is kind of the same point that you're making it's I'm too good for this role and I'm not happy in this role and I think for Rozier specifically, it's if it's going to be that big of a problem, he he's got to understand that he's only hurting himself. And I mean, the Celtics, if the Celtics don't live up to expectations, this is just who they are, and they they go out in the second round, then Rozier hurts himself more than he hurts anybody by not accepting that role. Other guys hurt themselves more than anybody not accepting that role because we all know. The winning is what gets you the biggest the biggest shine. Uh, and if Rozier is out there doing some decent things on a team that extended their four-game winning streak to seven on the road, then Rozier gets looked at as, wow, look at this guy who is he's, he's doing what he needs to do for this team. No, he's not averaging the points, but he's accepting this role and he's he's – being a great teammate and he's helping the team win. That's, that's what teams want. Teams want a, te- a guy that's going to help the team win. They don't want a guy who's going to be like, Oh man, I'm not happy in this role. And he just needs to, he needs to get over that. And so does everybody. Uh, it was an interesting anecdote from the Woj pod that, uh, from a couple of days ago where, uh, the former Atlanta Hawks GM, Wes Wilcox, said that Rick Sund in Atlanta once told him that each player has natural stages in their career. The first thing they want to do is establish that they belong in the NBA. Then they want to define role. Then they want to get paid. Then they want the accolades like all-stars and MVPs. And then after that, it becomes legacy and championships. So once they get all that other stuff, then they're like, okay, now I can focus on winning. Um, And it's not the first time I've heard people in the NBA describe it this way. And the Celtics have a few guys that are in the early stages of their career. So they want not only the defined role, Rozier wants to get paid. These other guys want to get paid. Jason Tatum this season alone has a new Nike shoe Gatorade commercial. Those guys are, they have other motivations and it's not a criticism. They're professionals. They're supposed to be out there making money, but that's just a different role. And if the Celtics are going to be good, and if the Celtics are going to make this run, 
those guys have to figure out a time during this season to put all that other stuff aside and say, all right, whatever it is that I need to do to help this team win, like that's it, whatever it is. If I have to play 15 minutes and so be it. And then the other stuff goes away for a month or three months in the playoffs or whatever it is that that's all it's going to take. It's going to be people finally just settling into their roles and saying, all right, fine, screw it. Let's go win. Because right now winning isn't the, the biggest priority or winning the way the Celtics need them to win isn't the biggest priority. They want to win, but they also want these other things. Yeah. And, and that's why their dynamic is, is different than almost anybody else's because not only do they have these, this mix of veterans and young guys, but they have young guys who got a taste of what they could be. Yeah. And, and that taste could drive you crazy. <laughs> it, sure. it really can. Like, like Terry Rozier was a star in the playoffs. He was beloved. He was, you know, donning the Eric or the Drew Bledsoe jersey. He was. Oh my god. He was. He relished in that, and and so that taste it really can, I think, drive you crazy. And so the Celtics need to to figure out how to to get beyond that. And now, and there's a, a tension, I think, just because of how urgent they are to get that done. And that's that's not a, it's not a bad thing to be urgent. But I think because of how urgent they are, there's there's been a, a rippling tension throughout this team that that they're they want to get it together and they just haven't consistently so far. And that's that's obviously got everybody just a little bit on edge. We'll leave it at that because we could go for hours and we're going to we're we're going to see how it goes against Toronto. There there's the whole season left, the half season left of this. So, we'll leave it there. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the Celtics draft picks, the potential draft picks because we're a few weeks away from the trade deadline. There's a lot happening, lots of rumors out there that could impact what the Celtics offseason is going to look like. So, stick around for that. We'll be right back here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Coming into this season, there was a best-case scenario of the Boston Celtics having not gone through these struggles, but having been really, really good, and they might still end up being good. They might still end up going far in the playoffs. It's still a long season. We'll see how that turns out. But there was still a best-case scenario of them going deep and then, in the draft, having a pick as high as two, uh, nine, uh, I think what's the, the clip 15, 15, and then their own pick, which everybody hopes would be number 30, but it's not turning out that way. It's <laughs> not turning out that way at all. At, at this point, the Celtics pick that we had hoped would be number two, courtesy of the Kings, uh, could be as low as 15 or lower, depending on how they go. The Memphis pick may not even convey. The Clippers pick might. But that's fine, right? Well, let's let's discuss this. The Memphis pick may not convey, which is fine if you look at it one way and not fine if you look at it another. In, in the scenario where they want all of these picks so they can give them to New Orleans and 
say, here you go, here's your automatic reset for Anthony Davis, it's not fine. I don't think. I, I think it is still because that's still a that's still a great trade chip. Like next year, it's protected just one through six, and the Grizz may have to move on from Gasol. Like if they move on from Gasol, who knows what's next with Conley? And then it's unprotected, I believe, the year after that. It is like that. That is a pick that's going to have serious value, whether it conveys this year or not. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think I think honestly that the way the Grizzlies are directed, that pick is very, very valuable, That no matter what happens this year. There is a rumor today that uh, Marc Gasol is going to opt out and become a free agent, and that Memphis, that is, Memphis is now the second worst team in the West, uh, that in hovering around the eighth or ninth worst team, so they're at the edge of conveying the pick. But there is now talk that Memphis, knowing that Gasol is going to potentially leave, may say, all right, fine. We're not going to let him walk for nothing. We're not, it's not like we're in a playoff race and we've, we've got anything to hold on to him for, that they may turn around and trade him, which they should. They absolutely should. That's what they should do. They should hold on to their draft pick this year because if that thing falls into the top five, they have the potential to getting, of getting some very good players, one of the Duke freshmen. They got some really good players up there. Uh, but I, I see your point. I see your point that they could, that could be something that Ainge tells Dell Demps. Well, look, it could be, it could be a, a high pick next year or after that. The, um, Sacramento Kings are not only decent. They're too good. They're not only decent. <laughs> they're looking, they're at way being, too good. They're, they're looking at being buyers at the deadline. They're, they're potentially looking at Atlanta's Jeremy Lin, there's been talk about a trade for Enos Cantor. So they're and, and they've got expiring deals. You got Zach Randolph sitting there that they could offer up as an expiring contract to get a decent player that could help them out and, and make them potentially a playoff team. They could sneak into the eighth seed and then that puts that Celtics pick down into the lower half, lower third of the of the draft, which takes away a significant trade piece because that was supposed to be the Anthony Davis to Boston. We'll give you that Sacramento Kings pick, and you'll probably get like R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish. But now you're getting some, you know, a pick in the in the late part of the draft, the, the lower third of the draft, where maybe you get a, a decent role player out of it, but you're not finding, generally speaking, a superstar. That really hurts the Celtics in, in the pursuit of Anthony Davis, which is why they have all of these picks in the first place. And I think that could really, Jay, impact who gets involved in the trade. Because if it was the second pick, you can say, well, we're not giving you Jason Tatum and R.J. Barrett, essentially. We're giving you R.J. Barrett and somebody else, but we're going to hold on to our star guy. You're getting your reset, and I think that's that's fair. Now, we're getting into the territory where it's like you have to give up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum or something like that. It just changes the scenario of, of who the Celtics would have to give up if they actually do make a trade with it uh with the pelicans yeah there's a big gap between the number two pick and the number nine pick in value that's obvious and so that has been just (laughs) just a rough start for the kings from the Celtics' perspective they're way too good and no one expects them to be nearly this good but here they are more than halfway through the season two games over 500 Vladi Divac is taking like victory laps after 
after just crapping on the minority owners. <laughs> he basically, I mean, you're feeling yourself so much that you get on a conference call with the minority owners and say, shut up. Like he basically then told them all that, to shut up. But then he got asked about the story and he's like, yep, yeah, I just told him my plan. And then the guy said, yeah, but the story was about you telling them not to meddle. And he goes, yep, that was my plan. <laughs> like that, that's, is, that's that good. is just pulling down your pants and just mooning the minority owners in front of everyone, which is fantastic. That's awesome. I, I love that move. I, I need more of that in sports. <laughs> just just it's, incredible. It's but, really funny. It's really but funny. But the, the Celtics would, would like – for Vladdy Divac to experience some more pain over the rest of the season. They did scuffle a little bit. They did kind of, they, they had a little bit of a losing streak, but now they've, they've won a few games in a row and that's kind of changed everything again. And they are currently uh, 23 and 21 and a half game out of the eighth spot. So anything could happen. Anything could happen. The numbers uh, don't, seem to favor the Kings really getting better. They they are one of three teams in the West with a negative point differential. There's some playing above their heads a little bit, but whatever, there they are uh, a half game out of the uh, half game out of the playoffs tied with the Lakers. So De'Aaron Fox, man, too good, too good, too fast. Couldn't wait till next year to get this good. And Buddy Hill's a beast. Buddy, you know, this is another thing we really, we do it all the time with these trades. It looked so lopsided, but after, after a little while, after a season and a half of whatever it's been two seasons, they came out on top of that boogie cousins deal. They gave up cousins. They got healed. They got, uh, who else did they get for that for him? But whatever they, they whoever got, else they got, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they got, Buddy healed was playing awesome for them. And Cousins is not with New Orleans. Like they, they actually came out okay in that deal, which is wild. Um, so that's it. That's that's where the Celtics draft picks sit. They basically the biggest prize of the draft picks is almost worthless. Not not really worthless, but mid to late first round is not not really enticing. Uh, and the ninth pick. If they're lucky, they'll get the ninth pick. They might not even get that this year. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how. But hey, they got good players. They've got potentially four first round draft picks. So they'll have a lot to offer in in any trade talks that do happen. And they got a good team with a chance to turn things around if they can finally get on the same page and maybe get more offense attacking the rim and drawing free throws. Fair enough. That's where, that's where we'll end it. Board, board Corrales. We're ending with board Corrales. Yeah, I'm officially now. This time I am bored. I'm bored. Yeah, this. I'm bored. I'm, I'm done. So I'm going to wrap was... it up. <laughs> the pivot to boredom. But, but I didn't get bored until 36 minutes into the podcast. So that's... I held your attention for quite some time, which is a lot about 33 minutes longer than usual. So <laughs> again, all you new listeners, we really thank you for sampling us and hopefully you've become a subscriber so you can get these podcasts right to your phone whenever we publish them so you don't have to wait for our big announcements so thank you for that all you regular subscribers 
Really appreciate you all. Give us that five-star rating. Give us a good review. And please share the podcast with all of your friends, your family, your neighbors, random people on the street. Tell them that they should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.